What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, powered by Untold Stories, where twice a week, together, we get to dive deep with some of Bitcoin and crypto's most influential leaders to truly understand how this movement came to be, where we are right now, and where we are going. And we get to have some truly, truly tremendous conversations. Today, we're going to have an introspective conversation with my friend Hasib Awan, who's a true, true Bitcoin OG. And this was a very honest conversation. At times, things that are hard to hear, bringing about true honesty, integrity, but also where we are in the industry right now and how we feel about it and how hard it is to be going through these times right now. We're admitting a lot of things that people don't want to admit right now. Hasib is an early Bitcoiner. Since the early days, we met in 2013 or something or 2014 when he actually co-founded the first Bitcoin ATM company and installed the first Bitcoin ATMs in Toronto, New York, San Francisco, Canada, and cities all over the U.S. And that enabled him to be on the ground in a lot of places meeting with people who truly, truly need Bitcoin and has built out over the years some amazing companies, advised some other truly tremendous ones. And right now is the founder of a company called Ifani. Ifani is a cell phone company similar to like Verizon, T-Mobile. I personally am a customer of Ifani for a hundred bucks a month. Your number is secure. I mean, you it's, a, it's the same thing as being on another cell phone provider, but you're on his company. And he built this to prevent one thing to prevent SIM hacks because so many Bitcoin people, we were getting our phone numbers stolen and he created a company that said your cell phone number can never be stolen again. Doing one thing right, one thing amazing to make people's lives better. And now he's got hundreds of thousands of customers. All Bitcoiners are using him. Ifani, it's an amazing company. We had some amazing conversations today. To start off, I asked him, why he's currently frustrated and leaving Puerto Rico. He's part of the early founding community of crypto people who moved to Puerto Rico to start this whole utopia. And there's been a lot of conversations around it, but he's leaving. And I asked him why. Have a listen. You have been crypto for more longer than I am, but I'm like from 2013. And there's a kind of a bubble between the crypto. It just exists between the crypto that, okay, you know, we are going to destroy everyone. And, yeah. you know, we are like, you know, those small little campaigns about, hey, we are in for money, we are in for privacy, we are in for philosophical reasons. But the factor is that if you ask someone, like if you do a survey of like 100 people, 90 people will say that we are in for money. And the rest 10 people, person people will lie. And they'll say, you know, I'm here for philosophical reason. And ask this question from a lot of people that if you take out the money, would it still be in crypto? You know, and that become a challenge for me because like, Spending like nine years into crypto now, I question myself is that we used to hate banks, but now we are calling the same people that, hey, come and save us. I mean, it's worse than that. Now, not only are the banks the ones that we want to save us, it's like, yeah, look how much everyone's been cheering on, waiting for Sam Bankman-Fried to get arrested. It's like, forget, put, it, put that aside, because I personally lost money in the whole FTX Voyager situation too. But someone who's been to prison we're cheering on the government to just do this arrest without the due process and the time that we would want the same for ourselves if we were ever in a situation where we're potentially facing 
criminal charges. We wouldn't want a populist indictment for ourselves. And now we're, we're like Bitcoiners and crypto people. We're like, yeah, arrest him, arrest him, arrest him. And it's like, whatever, put that aside for a second. I just, I just like, you're right. We're cheering on the same people that we were fighting against 10 years ago. You know, like, it's very hard for me. Like, I believe in rule of law. I believe in governments. I believe that governments should run lean. So I have, I have a lot of thoughts about it, right? Like, you know, we comply with all the regulations. We have gone through, like, a time where there was no funding. You couldn't even fly. Very hard, you know. I remember we were in the house, like, maybe 10 founders of very big companies in crypto. And we're staying in one house. And now we are into penthouse and everything. Money is not bad, right? But ultimately, what I'm thinking about a decade have passed and what we have achieved. We came up with the promise of, oh, it will be cheaper transactions across the world. You know, people, you cannot buy $1 with something. We will, do, okay, it will unbanked, you know, clear unbanked issues and all those things. And even with respect to privacy, it's kind of a disappointing how people approach privacy, frankly, that we talk about this all the time, but, you know, we are feeding the same thing. So I'll give you an example. With FTX drama and Voyager, all the things, the biggest thing companies were, oh, you know, we are, we are building crypto company, but guess what? We have absolutely zero exposure to crypto. Yeah. You are building your entire industry around. So you want people to switch to what you do, but at the same time, you don't want people to focus on crypto. And anyone who had its treasury into crypto would say, oh, you are bad managers. You took a lot of risk. How can you be in an industry and not do anything? It's like you want to build a Tesla car and you are, pushing everyone to build like a car, but you say, oh, I want to use like a gas car. It's fine in the meantime, but at the same time, how can we restore the trust in the crypto? You know, like self-custody, people talk about self-custody and they will cheer about, oh, I, I'm happy that you lost money in crypto because you didn't do self-custody. Dude, self-custody is difficult. A lot of people don't realize that how difficult it's it is. It's not hard. I have so many hardware wallets around my house, around this room right now. I have like 50 around this room that are just empty. I'll give them away to people. We had a sponsor here on the show for three months, SafePal. They have a great hardware wallet, but there's so many there. I mean, you have Eric Voorhees has his hardware wallet, KeepKey. You have Trezor, Ledger. We can talk about that, why people aren't doing self-custody more. Engrave. Engrave is one other example. Cobol, Colo Storage. The challenge is, Charlie, that people believe that everyone is good at what they do. So I'll give you a simple example. I can guarantee you like 90% of people on the stream do not even know how to change a SIM card on their phone. I think most people think that the SIM card is something that is just kind of one in the same as your cell phone provider. They don't understand that the SIM card is actually something that's yours. We had a Bitcoin ATM operation. People used to take up pickups, put a chain around it, and literally they will just run with anything. You know, like they'll put a chain on ATM and just steal the ATM. You can't even think about it in a regular scenario. You know, people will get kidnapped, not in the U.S. a lot, but other countries you get kidnapped for having crypto. Yeah, I don't even... My point is... It's actually a very dangerous thing, and it's going to get worse over time. Yeah, so people talk about cryptos, like in custody. What if someone shows up to your house and put a gun on your head? What if you die tomorrow, right? Like, these are, there are challenges related to that. And I believe that the entire industry have a U.S. problem that no one wants to solve. Like your experience is very difficult to complete. Like, whenever you have to transfer money from one to another person, uh, on Venmo, I don't think about it, you know. But on Crypto Wallet, I think about it like maybe five times to make sure that everything is correct. And it always gives me anxiety whenever I send money because, you know, it's, there's no reversibility. And frankly, that we have oversold the story that people don't trust governments. And then it's very expensive to transfer money across the world. Now, I'm not declining it's not the case, but I think we are overselling the story. I, I know what you mean. Okay. And the reason for that is 
because uh, I'm from Pakistan. A lot of people don't know, like I'm multiple citizenships of multiple countries, right? The interesting part is that I transfer money all across. Like even right now, we transfer money all over the world. It's not expensive. People will say, yes, it's a, there are extreme cases, any, any cases, right? But this system has become very efficient. I remember we were talking about like uh, change tip for the startup. I remember. And there was, okay, you know, we should pay creators in pennies. Yeah. And I love the concept. Like how good a concept. I is. love change I subscription too. Yeah. You know, I have a concept of, I think they got a quite a blockchain, right? Blockchain info. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at it, like, like we thought, okay, you know, we should have a, there was something called Steemit at that time. And we thought we would get into independent journalism. I love Steemit. I loved it. Yeah. So those things and, you know, ultimately change tip is like, you know, we can have like, I have a subscription to a couple of publications because I want to read their content. But at the same time, it's so bizarre to pay for the subscription that you don't use. So like, I don't want to pay like $100 per year or whatever the cost of New York Times for a few months because I don't use it. I have bought Netflix. I don't use it. So I, it's become difficult and difficult to pay for subscription. But if I can pay for individual writers, you know, I would love it. And now we have Substacks and all those things. But crypto has a use case. But the last thing we could resort to was dumping the token. And that hurts me. You know, like with Bitcoin ATM, you can actually onboard people who don't have a bank account. I, I think the, the issue goes back to exactly what you said. Over the past 10 years, and, and, and you and I have been in this from, 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 from the very beginning, from almost day one, we've created narratives that fall apart. And those narratives are big, bad banks, big, bad government, big, bad this, big, bad that. And as we saw with politics, even when you focus on what the other side does worse and bad and not what you, what's good about you, then you're not going to convert people over like a long period of time. And I've kind of been talking about this with some other guests of like, what does it mean to be a Bitcoiner in the larger crypto world? And you're the perfect example of that person. You're an OG Bitcoiner from the start, but living, working, and investing in an increasingly crypto world where I'm sure you struggle every day with what does it mean to be a Bitcoiner? So can we focus on the early, like the core stuff? Like, yes, maybe it doesn't matter about the governments or the banks, but let's focus on the sound money. Let's focus on the ability to have hard money. Let's talk about the ability to have a ledger system that can't be reversed or frozen or counterfeited or duplicated and things like that. There's a lot of use cases for what for what we're building. In fact, we can build a whole new entire internet on this. But at the same time, if we're focusing on, like you said, but 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 you need those narratives to live day to day. It gets you excited. So how do you how do we do it? That's the question. Well, you are a movie producer, right? You can bring people to the theater, but you can't watch the entire movie or come back for the next season if you don't produce good content. What I'm saying is that. Ultimately, we run out of people or trial beta users like, you know, we have when we launch a product, we just say, hey, we're launching a product, Charlie. We don't know if it's perfect or not. We just want your feedback on that. Would you be willing to give your feedback? And some people say, yes, I want to do feedback. Some people say, I don't want to get feedback. And I, what I'm saying is there's a limited amount of people like in a population of 7 billion or please, whatever the population is, like around that time, you may have five people who are early adopter. So you burn through those lists. They will move on to AI. They will move on to like other stuff. What I'm saying is that it needs to go beyond pumping and dumping a token. And this FTX narrative and everything, it's very tough on me because 
you know, now like same people that we said, okay, you're not bad are the people who are trying to rescue us. And even working in privacy space for a while now, I have discovered that how difficult it is to people to teach them about privacy. The only reason why people care about privacy is that they're, the money that they earn should not get reported. Apart from that, people do not care about anything about privacy. Yeah. You also said something interesting earlier about it's not, it's, it's, it's all about the money now. And you're right. It used to never be about the money because Bitcoin and early cryptos weren't worth anything. And you had the ability from yourself. It was all like moonshots. Either you're in the same place that you were when you started or you're on the moon. Right. So there was no reason to not try something, to build something, to do something. But then in the bull markets and everyone's buying in and getting in at a high price and you're constantly seeing things go down in value, down in value, you could be building all day and then things are collapsing. And then the macro world we're in, the money printer is not flowing as fast as it has been for the last 11 years. It's finally slowed down. The Federal Reserve is doing exactly what Satoshi didn't like, meaning that the, the Federal Reserve was just printing money, printing money, printing money, QE overtimes, overtime, and it was just burning hot. And now they're finally reining it in. They're following through is what I'm saying. They're following through. So a lot of people are saying, okay, we can trust the governments again with our money. Do we even need Bitcoin and, and crypto? Certainly. Like I'm just saying like if the biggest success of fund is that they're, they're not in crypto or a project they're not in crypto, I don't know what, what else I can say, right? And again, I was just at a meetup recently and people are still talking about, oh, I'll put a Boeing 747 on a, on a blockchain. Like, man, like, <laughs> I, like, like, dude, like what, what industry are you living in, right? But you need those oh, people really- though, because that is exactly those type of people. Someone's going to do something crazy. First person may say, I'm going to put 747 on a blockchain. But then someone may say, hey, I'll put like, I don't know, I'll put like property insurance on the blockchain. And maybe they'll come up with an algorithm that does actuarism, if that's actually a word. Actually, like an actuary is a person who works for yeah. like a, an insurance company, right? Actuarism on the, you know, those algorithms, because they're more real time. I don't know. You can do something crazy there. Maybe they're, that's like our next killer app. But you're right. It hurts. It's, it hurts. It hurts. It's embarrassing for our industry. And, and honestly, having, you know, when I opened up BBC this morning, SBF was arrested and the indictment and everything. I was on the other side of that, as you remember, in 2014, I was arrested at the airport. The whole world knew about it. The BBC front page, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. It was as big at the time of a news cycle as it is right now with him. Again, I lost a lot of money. I know a lot of people do. I just feel feel bad for our community right now. I feel bad for every single other person listening to this show in our space. And honestly, I'm sorry to have personally put our industry through that. Back in 2014, because I must have been re- now I know why so many people are still angry at me from those early days, because I probably put a lot of people in a shitty position back like all those years ago, like like SBF is doing now. I didn't defraud and steal other people's money and stuff. I had that first Bitcoin exchange, but still it, it made the industry look very bad. And so how did we get out of it then? I was sitting in prison for a year and a half. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, obviously, I never had. Like, I don't remember getting. You know, like I, I kept myself very kosher in a way that with every compliance. And obviously, due to my background, I'm extra cautious a lot of times. Yeah. And uh, even with Bitcoin ATMs, like you know, with all this cautious, and I've been on Senate committees for testified in front of senators or any many money laundering, and I've answered very tough questions. Um, and I remember, as exactly recall, there was a Bitcoin conference happening in Austin at that time, and I knew of you, but I, you know, we were not 
like you know very close at that time so i was at conference and there's charlie shrimp and he got arrested i think it, it was what miami what are you coming to the, it was bitcoin miami what are you coming to the conference or it no? was mo's conference i was supposed to be there the next that night yeah, i was supposed to be on stage right? in bitcoin miami yeah. it was january 26 2014 in the and yeah mo walked on stage and he said i don't know where charlie is yeah yeah so that's about it. And I have a, a lot of friends in exchanges and a lot of my clients. And I ask them simple question. What should we do? Like, what do we do to restore the trust? If you just want to run, run a gambling casino, it looks like it's all like a better UI gambling. Like, yeah. What are you trying to do here? And frankly... Uh, yeah, we created a casino. Yeah, it's a, just a better UI with a casino. That's all we did. Yeah. In the last 10 years, sometimes it looks like they're okay, you know, this, this were all planted in a way to just screw up everything. The United States is the largest regulatory body in the world. It's also like the world's police in a way for regulatory stuff. Do you think that if there was a better embracing by the U.S. earlier on and more regulatory clarity and things like that? But I mean, like they didn't know either. So regulation by enforcement was the, is really the only way to do it. You see where I'm asking? Like maybe things could be different. Yeah, now. yeah. And I think it's about USDT, right? Or US dollar. Yeah crypto dollar i'm not endorsing anything i'm just saying like a digital version of cbd that gabby always talk about and uh you know like issued by government or issued by any entity i believe that have the chances to monopolize the u.s dollar domin- domination across the world so i'll give you an example in pakistan if someone's offer you dollar you prefer dollars over pkr like rupee local currency similarly like in israel like you know i'm sure people would prefer u.s dollar over the sh- shekel right yeah like people prefer US dollar across the world, but it's very difficult to carry and transfer across the world. Yeah, yeah. So, but if you have a very, very secure thing that is US dollar, you can monopolize US dollar across the world. And I think that's where government is lacking. But at the same time, you know, government's job is to support moves. So I wouldn't blame them. What I'm thinking is that we always talk about like, you know, people moving to Zuck and all those things. But as an industry, the entire narrative is that banks are bad and governments are bad. You know, how do you work with them? Like, you know, we celebrated that. Oh, this. But Satoshi, Satoshi did that, though. We didn't create those narratives. Satoshi created kind of the narratives in the early white paper and talking about, I mean, even in the Genesis block, talking about quantitative easing and you're having like government is on the bailout for banks and stuff like that. So you had big, bad banks and then big, bad governments bailing out the banks. Correct. But haven't we built a better banks now, right? That, that's the question. Like, how we just changed the faces? So now it was XYZ before, and now it's a thief who's in charge of a big bank, which is an exchange. You know, at least with Jamie Diamond, uh, you know, I forgot the name of the guy. Uh, you know, any, any pick up any banker, yeah. right? Uh, is he better than SBF, right? Is he better than... Right now, know, like, yeah, uh, because when those banks failed in 2008, yeah, people's home values got squashed and it was really bad for everyone. But the people didn't lose their customer deposits at banks. Well, that's because the government yeah. bailed out the bank. So I guess you could say that Jamie Dimon did do, did do some really bad. Whoever it was did some really bad stuff. But how come the government's not bailing out then FTX or like its customers there? Correct. So the thing is that ultimately people only care about their money most of the time. And, uh, you know, like I'll give you about example about like privacy and security. We said we will never sell our data on website. And we made a privacy and secure cell phone. So everyone said, oh, we love your mission. Dude, the mission doesn't pay the bill. Yep. You need support from people who want to switch. And we were disappointed by that. How little people bought because of privacy. And I'll tell you one simple example. 
So we want to do Web 3.0. I, I should write a blog post about it without taking a name, but there's another decentralized IoT startup that is, you know, we're under a lot of heat. Yeah. Uh, and they said we will have nodes around the world. So we work with a lot of carriers and people started joking about us. Like, you know, okay, so are you trying to run another Ponzi scheme? You know? Yeah. And I said, okay, no, this is how it works. This is how system works and everything. And so we said, okay, let's do a survey. So we spent some money on it and we said, let's, everyone should be their own node owner. You know, Charlie, client, Hatib, client, we should have our node in our house. So we got almost 100x more orders than any usual day to order nodes. So everyone says, I love the vision that I want to be part of this decentralized telephone service. We went through licenses and everything. So we said, okay, you know, let's move forward. But there's one condition. In order to supply to anyone, you have to use it yourself too. How many people do you think would have said yes to that? As soon as you force that, then people are going to say, whoa, I don't want to have to do it. Correct. So what would what be the ratio of people who would like to say, okay, you know, I would like to be Web 3.0 in actual form. I want to use my own product. So basically what you were, what you were offering was the ability for, oh no, it says our Zoom is going to end in 10 minutes. I don't want to end the show. You know what, actually, I'm going to stop it now and then I'm going to create a new one right now, actually. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It was so weird. My Zoom was like, your account doesn't exist anymore. All of a sudden, after years. Maybe this is a good example of like the shit that you have. Your I've had my identity, my Zoom account for, yeah. for four years. And all of a sudden, like Zoom is saying that it never existed in the first place. And thankfully, I have all my data saved. Yeah, That Zoom account is my identity. Yeah. <laughs> after all the time, I say that the most important number in my life is, is my telephone number. Is right. It is. You know? It is. It's your your cell phone number is literally your identity. I've had my cell phone number since elementary school. Since or like, yeah, it's my first number. I've taken it with me through so many carriers, and now it's at your company, at your carrier, Fani, and hopefully forever and safely there. And I feel comfortable knowing my number and my service is not with a you know one of these large carriers. Rather, it's it's with a company like yours. Actually, you saved my life one time, and we should tell that story. We're talking to Hasiba Wan. You're an early Bitcoiner. Your career in crypto started when you co-founded the first Bitcoin ATM company. I remember the first Bitcoin ATM in Toronto, New York, San Francisco, and Canada, 50 cities. You sold that company. And since then, you've started other companies. You've personally been investing and advising in our industry forever, speaking every year at similar conferences that I'm at. We've been friends for a long time. And you recently, a few years ago, started a company called Ifani, which is the most secure telecommunications service. I'm a customer there. Protects against any kind of SIM hacks, encrypts your personal information, backs up with a $5 million insurance coverage. Basically, Ifani is another cell phone company where you let me choose which service I want to use at specific times, like Verizon, AT&T. My number's there. I have a specific person that I can call who's my dedicated VIP person. That person knows my account, understands no one can take my number, which has happened twice in my life. My number has been ported and all for like, it's like a hundred bucks a month. You captured that. You realize that cell phone numbers are people's identities, right? But let me ask you a question. Is my cell phone device, is that secure? Because I don't know if people are going to use self-custody wallets. And that's kind of getting back to what you, we were talking about earlier, a second ago. We we're talking about the user experience. You were talking about how you were offering a product to folks and you were offering them the ability to 
upgrade from essentially like a web two to web three experience, right? Instead of relying on cell phone towers around wherever you live, you were offering the ability to have individual towers in people's homes and properties and create this like mesh network cell phone company. And you weren't doing it from scratch. You're not out of the blue. You have all the licenses. You've been in the cell phone industry. You have your own network, your own company. You know deeply, deeply this, this works. But because of that one other company that's operating like a central Ponzi or whatever, you're worried that people are nervous to, to make that move to Web3. Yeah, so I won't say like blame on a specific company. I'll just talk about like in general how people perspective changes. And the way people perspective changes, like, you know, Charlie will say that, oh, I'm, I want to own my data. Yeah. Not as simple as people think. Like you can make up all the things, but like with my dad, you know, he doesn't even use a password manager, you know? No. Most people and use he little just says, okay, you know, my dad actually says I will not even use online banking. So he has an account like, you know, with letting miss money in one account and he says, okay, I don't want to use it. Very difficult for people to under, we have to get out of bubble and talk to regular people in the industry. So to summarize, uh, let's talk about uh, our experience. Like, you know, we said, we will let people have web 3.0 experience. Our, our goal was you can have a tower in your house that you can use. So if I, you and I talk to each other, it's basically just end to end encrypted. And, you know, it's just your call cell phone tower. Yeah. If I come to your house, I get paid because, you know, I'm using your tower. And the most interesting part is as soon as you leave your house, it automatically connects to the regular cell phone tower. So you don't lose your coverage. It's not like, okay, you know, it's only limited. It's a better experience. So we have like, you know, tens of thousands of people who want to join the service. And the only challenge was that when we asked them that, and see, we asked them, why do you want to do it? They said, this is the best concept. I think the world needs privacy. I love all about security. I want to dedicate my life to security. You know, there's yeah. nothing about privacy. But we said, if we, if given the choice today, would you buy the cell phone service for yourself today? And they say, oh, you know, I'm on a corporate plan. I'm on a family plan. You know, I'm happy. My cell phone company give me, I'm on a contract. And I said, okay, man, just to be fair, Charlie, how is it possible that I never buy Bitcoin, but I tell you, Charlie, this is the best thing in the world. You know, the challenge is that unless and until we use the products that we believe in and we built, Ifani, I use Ifani for myself. I was the customer number one. In Bitcoin ATM, we were the customer number one. We were using the ATM for our transactions. You know, like it's like you are, you are building a stable coin, but all your money is in, in a Chase Bank. Or you are building Airbnb, but you want to stay in, in Marriott. Now, there may be some cases where there's no Airbnb or better service. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that enjoy your own products. And so we had, we could have launched a token, took our valuation to a billion dollar within, you know, cashed out myself a lot of money, but we decided, no, I don't think this is the right path. Because there's no, like, who, who's, the, who, who's the person who will pay the money in the end? No, you're right. What difference am I making in any life? Is my goal is to build like a, is my KPI that there'll be like 10,000 nodes across the world? Like who cares? You know, like even with Bitcoin, it's all about a belief system. Like you can talk about, oh man, there's only 21 million of Bitcoin, but enough people care about Gotta it. Gotta make people's lives better. That's what it comes down to. We have to make people's yeah. lives better. Yeah. Paul Graham at Y Combinator says that your startup has to do 10x more. It has to be 10x better. Like I'll give you a simple example about BitAccess, Bitcoin ATM. We promise you'll get Bitcoin within 60 seconds. One promise. 60 seconds, you will get your Bitcoin. It was very difficult. We had Mongox and yeah. BTCE and other exchanges that we have to send money to. But here, you walk up to an ATM, within 60 seconds, you get a Bitcoin or you, you cash out your Bitcoin. 60 seconds promise. And the simple thing, people said they can go quantify. In Ifani, we say, we secure cell phone service. If you fail, we give you $5 million. 
Simple process. Either we secure you or we give you $500. Any product that you do with cell phone, I'll give you an example about people cop out privacy. Privacy is not, if you look at any privacy company, there's very little success with any privacy company in the world. How many privacy companies have sold? Because people go for Apple yeah. or, or Samsung because it's convenient. So people choose convenience over everything. Like, yes, you have 50 ledger wallets, you want to give ledger wallets. Ask them how many of them are actually actively using it. You know, that's the right statistics. And producing it is difficult. And the crypto the bar is so low that our bar is always someone has built something. And if, if you're not using the product yourself, like tomorrow I can launch an Airbnb company, a competition to like Uber, and I say I'll pay people to drive cars around to pick up people. And you'll get tokens for driving the car around. And I'm sure there will be like, you know, a million people, I don't know a million, but like maybe 10, 12 people who say, oh, you know, I'm getting paid. So they are not your customer. They're not your web yeah. users. They are basically your employees. You are paying them to do something. You're... And there's some sucker who believe that one day those tokens will be worth something. You and I have a friend who tried launching one of, a company that does exactly that like five or six years ago. <laughs> okay. That didn't work. And it led him to start something else, which is now very successful. So it just goes to show okay. you, you have to fail a few times. No, no, I, I'm okay with falling, but I'm just saying, okay, what's the, like, okay, you can decide that, okay, you know, a taxi would be cheaper. Okay, how will it be cheaper? Oh, because we cut the middleman fee. So we say, okay, how much is the middleman fee? How much <laughs> yeah, is the Uber yeah, charge? Yeah. Like, right? That, okay, you know, what is actually looking? Okay, who will people call if they have a problem? I'll give you an example about Ifani. You know, we have, we had like, you know, one time we said, okay, Dogecoin community came up and say, you know, we will buy if you put a Dogecoin payment and we said, okay, let's do Dogecoin payment. I think we had like one or zero people who signed up for Dogecoin. And the problem with crypto is that if you put crypto payment, your risk profile goes up. So Stripe shut down our account. You, you know, know, I ask people, I ask people this question all the time, especially if they've been in our industry a very long time. Have you ever been in an experience where you needed to use crypto because you didn't have another choice? There was something that you, you, were, you had to do and you could only use Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency to do it. And don't don't answer me Silk Road or the or the underground markets. That doesn't count. But other than legitimate. Yeah, other than that, I've personally only been in that situation one time. And I could tell that story later, but uh, you brought up Pakistan earlier. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed to use Bitcoin or crypto for something? I did, but it was just to cash out, right? It was just That's easy important. for me to yeah. rather than wiring the money. And I said, okay, man, it's just better to, because uh, in Pakistan right now, the case is that uh, if you go through legal channels, you lose money on it. So you lose a 10 to 15% tax, right? It's not a tax, it's like stupid thing. They, this $1 parity. So I sold bit crypto one time. I thought it was just easy for me to sell those cryptos rather than calling my bank because bank's account will shut down if the money getting transferred. Sometimes you cannot wire the money. So I couldn't wire money to myself. I could have used alternative path, but I just saw crypto, but I would have done something else. But other than that, like, on our website, yeah, we have some people who want to buy Bitcoins and they want to say, okay, you know, I, I will purchase. But the challenge with us is that we pay around 3% fee on credit card processing fee. On crypto, <laughs> the customer pays the fee, so we get the money. But then we have processes like BitPay who charges 1% or sometimes. So technically, we're paying 2%. But here's the thing tricky. Our churn rate on crypto has been 100% because there's no recurring payment mechanism. And imagine paying everyone every month by, I don't remember. I just put my card and. Oh, it, I have a spreadsheet literally open right now on my screen said a credit card monthlies cancel. Like I have a list of month, like 20 yeah. things that I have to go through at the end of every year that I just sign up yeah. for that I forget about. 
this year it's like $2,000 a month almost. Yeah. One of them is my cell phone company that I'm on Ifani, but for some reason I'm still paying Verizon like a hundred bucks a month. I don't understand why. I have no idea why people <laughs> will even go for any of the cell phone service, but obviously that's my marketing. I don't want to go into that, but people ultimately choose over everything. Like, you know, I believe that privacy is more like a, and crypto is more like a made in America. Everyone wants it, but as long as it's made cheaper than made in China. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I want to buy American products, but it cannot be produced at the cost, made, let's say made in China. So either you have to pay a premium or I, you know, compromise on quality and craftsmanship. And we are, we are in the groups and we talk about this all the time. I said, you know, man, I can, I can be as optimistic as possible. I can tell them we can change the world. We can cure cancer with crypto. Yeah. But the challenge is we'll burn through a lot of genuine enthusiasts who can take a shot at, a, at the life-changing product. Like I wanted to buy a bank and I couldn't because of, you know, they told me that because of your background, it will not be good to operate a bank and you'll always under scrutiny. My PayPal account has been canceled for selling Bitcoin. I was selling Bitcoin with Bitcoin was $200. So I used to sell like 0.1 Bitcoin all the time and uh, PayPal charged back. Yeah. The money pack. stole money from me. They did a charge back and they shut down my account. And I had an eBay store with almost like 800 rating or something, eight or 900 rating and they closed on my business. Overnight, I lost everything in terms of my business. I was running an eBay store. And today, PayPal sell themselves. So I genuinely believe there's a need for it. But like, you know, I go into a room and the only thing I'm sold about, okay, let's put a Boeing, I'll build a better Boeing on blockchain. And that basically made me puke and I just leave the room. It's very difficult to stay in those conversations. Uh, they don't know what to build though, a lot of because those narratives have gotten hostile. So people just lost their way. And I think that's the point of the show today is that I, we've been getting at is that like, this bear market is a little bit more difficult than others. And usually when it's all about the money, the bear markets will wash that away. We'll be in situations like we were in 2015, like we were in, in not a little bit in 2018, but really in 2015 was a big one where we just kind of lost our way and we didn't know what was next. And we really needed some technology breakthroughs in order to build out the next wave of products. And so, A, that's what's happening right now. People are building out amazing technologies and B entrepreneurs like yourselves are just building better crypto products that are making people's lives better. And a lot of this shit is going away. A lot of shit is still there as, you, as we're talking about now, but it is going away. Yeah. It's yeah, but it all comes down to right. Charlie, people search for their own reasons. I personally believe is that after building a couple of companies about you have to build a better product. People do not care who you are, how you built it. You know, when you go into get a nice steak, you don't think about how the cow was raised, how the beef was like, you know, uh, put in freezer, like, you know, how it was like, you know, properly tender. How does chef, chef look like? You just enjoy how it's presented to you and how much you'll be paying for it. So ultimately a better product could be a better product because it doesn't mean that you spend like thousands of hours building a product can be better product. Ultimately, what problem does it solve and how do we help out? And I think that's the question that I ask all the time now. What problem do we solve? And struggle, man. It's, 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 it's actually a really struggle. Like people who go through immigration policies, people who go through financial issues are the one who care about this a lot. And when you get in the room, our entire thing is, oh, we built the best decentralized system. And guess what? We have a partnership with Amazon. You know, dude, like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, if you are, oh, we are hosting a, a white paper on Amazon. 
to like IPFS is there. Like I'm not endorsing product. I'm just saying that why can't we build a better product that actually supersedes a Web 2.0 project? Built one product that is Web 3 product that is better than Web 2, people will switch. Well, because there was a lot of money involved and people got excited about tokens and money and exchange listings and all these different things and DeFi and CeFi and the money was easy. And then because the money was easy in the beginning, when it was DeFi was small, everyone can make money on yield farming. And when DeFi was small and tokens were small, same thing like ICOs, when it was small, everyone can make money because not everyone knew about it. But by the time everybody knows about it, that's when things crash and burn because there's too much speculation and, and craziness and frenzy. At least in 2017 with the ICO bubble, there was no bursting of a major exchange. Matt Wright, Mount Gox was in 2014. So 2007, 2018, there wasn't, nothing blew up, right? There were no major companies that blew up in that, in that, in that bear market. I don't remember. Like, Didn't BD, BDC went down in that time, BDCE? BTCE, yeah, it went down, but they weren't the biggest market player. Like what I'm getting is FTX was like huge, like billions and yeah. billions and billions, but also like was going around and was friends with every US politician and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so definitely with that implosion and that CFI was promising what DeFi was doing, but centralized finance, CFI wasn't actually doing it. It was just all fake under the hood, it looks like. Yeah, but you have to understand, like, ultimately, people do not care about, like, you know, average consumer does not care about these things. What he cares about, what he's getting and what he's paying. That's all. You know, he does not care about, like, if you ask on a general street that, hey, do you want to buy a uh, crypto? And I think the, well, I was happy in this bull run was that institutions were coming, you know, pension funds were coming in. And that builds, uh, like, a reputation. But I'm just thinking, if you're a pension manager, you know, how difficult would it be convince you again to get in crypto? Because you don't care about losing money. Like, obviously you do, but biggest thing is you don't care about losing your career. Yeah. You know, money can be made again, but reputation cannot be made again. You know, and the challenge is that how difficult it would be like, you know, for BlackRock, even a billion dollars is like a, like a joke, right? Like they don't care about losing billion dollars. You know, um, sorry, I'm not saying they don't care, but it's not like end of the yeah, world. Yeah, they, they they're making so much money in other places and they've been around for so long. They know how to weather the storms of losing a billion and then making yeah. three the next year. What they care is the LPs laughing at them, you know, and saying that, dude, how did you look into that? Because questioning your ability to execute, you know, how did you approve this money? And that is what a challenge is, right? It's more about reputation that loss than money loss, I believe. So we embarrass the, the institutions. But you know what? Maybe the smart ones will look past the embarrassment and come back. And maybe that's part of the it's process. It's all about ROI. Charlie, it's all about ROI right now. Like I can point to like 10 businesses that can do 10x in the probably in the next 10 years. Will Bitcoin do 10x? And that's a question that I ask all the time. Like, is it like, okay, what's the risk reward? As an investor, you have to look at what's the risk reward. Uh, regulations are coming up. You fail, you can end up in jail. And it's not a good place to be, you know, you know about this more than anything else. So the point is that as an entrepreneur working in 30s, would I spend my time AI, your model fail, you don't end up in jail. Yeah. And in finance, you end up in jail. So is it a risk that I should take? You're right. And, and FTX blow off is like, I think a lot of people say, oh, it's over. No, I think it's just started. 
you know, now they will open the books, you know, like hedge funds will be dropped oh in God. and they will uncover a lot of oh, stories. Oh, political donations. Uh, They're going to start pulling back money from these political action committees, clawbacks. It's just going to be crazy next few months. It's going to be volatility. I'm actually happy. My VC fund raised money right before like the bull market ended. So luckily we have money to invest now in the next generation of companies that are going to come out of this bear market. But it's hard right now to like, say, hey, we want to invest right now. It's scary. Are you investing right now in anything? Yeah. I'm, I no. am because I've made commitments, but it's hard. It's hard giving them the check. You know what I mean? No, it is hard. Like <laughs> we, uh, we, we turned profitable, right? Like I was scared, so I turned profitable. And uh, because as I said, like, you know, we lost some money too. I personally lost a lot of money, but that is not like loss, losing money is like part of the game. Yeah. It's like you get injured while playing. Yeah, that's part of the game. You know, you go into a soccer field, you get injured. You know, what the thing is, is the tournament has been called off. You know, that's what painful story is. And the challenge with us is that you go into the market, you talk rational, and anyone say, oh, you are, you are sucking these, like, you know, politicians. You're, no, man, you're just trying to try sanity. There's so much disparity between, um, uh, and again, if anyone have a doubt, like, you know, we are people who have probably 99% stakes related to crypto. Oh, yeah. Our whole lives, so, legacies, and futures are staked on Bitcoin and crypto. Future, I don't like, have you know, my entire kid adult crypto. life yeah, outside of it. So, uh, you know, like, we want this to be successful, but at the same time, we have to understand the reality and how to move forward from here. You know, we fell down. So now, what's the next step? And I just say that, hey, Web3 would not be successful unless and just start using it. And if you're just in for tokens, it's going to be a rough ride for all of us. This has been a huge introspective conversation. And I'm happy that, that we had it because I'm feeling the same way you are. A lot of people are, even those who don't admit it. We know that the opportunities always come out of these sad situations, but at the same time, and frustrating, it's frustrating, especially being involved so early on. But at the same time, it doesn't make going through it any easier. I want to end on a little bit of positivity. We're ending the year now. It's holiday season. We're getting into the new year. And usually people are hopefully cautiously optimistic about 2023 because like we were all excited about 2022 and it was a great year, but it was a harder yeah. year. I feel like it was a harder year. So what do you think about, was it a harder year too? And what are you looking forward to in 2023? What's exciting for you? For us, it was a harder year, right? I don't have to, uh, you know, like say that uh, we survived and we'll survive the next year too, hopefully, because like, you know, we just believe that do one thing, but do it really well. And I, I had a, I had a walk with um, Kasar Yunus and I remember this, he's the Y Combinator Chief Operating Officer and he says, Hasib never over-optimized in your life. And I think about this a lot of time and I'll give you a simple example because I think it's an example today in the morning that I tried to get like 25 minutes before the flight to the airport. You know, that has been my like, you know, things. I stopped doing that because, you know, it's not worth it because like, even though I'm home and I'm trying to optimize, but like I have anxiety that, okay, I'll miss my flight today. What's the point? You know, you and I are so like, I used to pride myself on being, be able to yeah. like the minute out the door to being seated on the plane, having the smallest amount of yeah. time down to the minimum efficiency, but then it created stressful anxiety and breakdown moments that now yeah. I purposely go early. I, I like the airport. Yeah, I'll go early, like even two hours <laughs> yeah. early. What am I going to bring my and laptop? I get fine. more work done in the airports. Yeah. They have nice restaurants in there. Yeah. So why take, why take, like, why, why make your life miserable, right? Yes, you can think about it. It's personally for ego boosting. 
you know, I, I, I messaged my wife, <laughs> you know, she dropped me, she's not home. And we live very close to airport. You know, I'm on the gate. So, and she always say, why, why do you want to take risks? Now I say, man, like, why do I do those things? You know, why do we optimize for extra couple of percentage? Like, why do we optimize for, okay, I have to be like on top and like, you know, I have to catch like top and bottom, you know, let the time be the best version of yourself that you can and let the time take care of itself. And about 2023, I believe that our goal is pretty simple. Like, you know, the more focused you are, the better it is. Like I said, we tried privacy. We said we will be like a Web 3.0 project. Web 3.0 is difficult because uh, on one end you say, oh, you know, you don't give data to FCC. Dude, we are a we are just registered with FCC. We have to report everything. You know, you can't operate like that. And the worst part is, so just focus. Do one thing for one person, but do it really well. So for us, like mission has been never ever get SIM swapped or get into your account. That has been mission. Can we just deliver on this promise that Charlie can sleep better at night because he knows there's one risk that he have ever covered in life. And if you can cover your downside, you always have upside. That's a very good quote. If you can always cover your downside, say that if you always cover your downside, cover your downside you'll always have an upside. Always have upside. Yeah. Like think about Charlie. I say whatever you eat, you will never get fat. Yeah. If I can ensure you, Charlie, Pay me ten dollar per month, and I, I and I talk about this all the time. If you if 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 believe that anything you buy buy will never go down in price. I love that. So that's the thing. That's the thing I think can happen in in um, uh, in all those markets too. Like you know what we did in 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 in, in SimSap. Like you know what we did was like why is that my cell phone is not secure? That's a simple problem. Like why why the hell is this problem? Why do I have to think about that my cell phone was not secure? Why can someone listen to my call? Why can someone get in my call record? Why can someone transfer into my phone? If we can do one thing really well and just be number one in it, we don't do anything else. We are fine. So even crypto parts, I believe that whoever is building something, we just say that do one thing, but do it really well. Hasib, tell me uh, 2023, what are you excited about? I'm excited that, you know, every bear market brings a lot of filtration. So you have people who leave and... And the people building a Boeing on blockchain basically leaves. Uh, but also give you, a, it's like a punch in the face. Unless you get don't get a punch in the face, you don't, it's like, uh, I've read somewhere that, you know, strong winds make good pilots. Yeah. And like, you know, every tough time basically prepare you for the next worst time. Personally, I will focus on my health, on my business, on mission, and uh, catch up with all the friends, right? I hope to see you, host you one day or oh. meet in person after a long time and then just spend time with my family and uh, again focus is would be very critical and getting rid of everything that is short-sighted speaking of which there's a conference in miami i think at the end of january that's the it's the new name of the old bitcoin miami conference like most conference it's called quantum miami and it's all the speakers yeah. are like all the people that we know uh uh it was bought by one of our friends actually bought the company so I may go to that yeah. event too, because just because it's like the oldest, you know, crypto event in the in the world. So I hope to see you there. If not, I'll see you in California. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for being true and honest to me and to yourself and to everyone here and for giving us an awesome episode today. Thank you. And again, like, you know, this all life, that everything we have is just a privilege. It's not a right. The moment we realize that, we'll be happy that uh, there's someone who died be between this show and he didn't know he would be he'll die. So the fact that we are alive is a gift. 
every time that we have is a gift. So just make the best use of it. That's all. I'll see you later. Thank you. Thank you.